We are one week away from the Ocean State Paracon, and we're also going to talk about the new Ghostbusters movie coming up because there's been a lot of controversy going on about it. Listen, I'm not for it, but that doesn't mean I hate women. We'll get into all that and more coming up on tonight's edition of Spooky South Coast, episode Stephanie Burke and the silent assassin Matt Costa, broadcasting live on WBSM as well as on YouTube and SpookySouthCoast.com. And are, are we doing are we doing the Facebook Live tonight, Matt Costa? Oh, you're working on that. Okay, this is this is how we do things here. We try to multi-platform, so we try to have as many different ways as possible for you to check out the show. Uh, we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night and. Tonight, we are going to talk about some local paranormal stuff. We're going to be talking about the Ocean State Paracon that's coming up next weekend, right? Next weekend. I don't even know what date it is anymore. I think it's next weekend, though, right? I have no idea. That's the 16th? Today's the 11th? 15th? Uh, 10th? What's today? Today's the 9th. The 9th? So, yeah, it's The weekend, weekend would be 16, 17. Because I'm terrible at both math and calendars. Perfect. So, that's, that's why when everybody was worried about the Mayan calendar, I was like... I don't even understand calendars, so I'm not concerned at all. Uh, but uh, that's going to be a great time down there in, uh, in Harrisville, Rhode Island, at the Assembly Theater and along the banks of the river there. It's a great day. Hopefully the weather will cooperate. I haven't looked at the, uh, the forecast, the future cast, but uh, it should be a good time. So we'll talk with Ken DaCosta, the founder of Rise Up Paranormal and the organizer of the Ocean State Paracon. A little bit later on, we're going to find out what charity they're working with this year, who some of the guests will be, what some of the topics that will be of the discussions that will be going on. I know what I'll be talking about. My lecture is entitled, I Want to Believe Mostly. And so I'm going to try and talk about uh, belief systems in the paranormal. I'm going to try and talk about when people get overly convinced of things and it's impossible to show them the light. It's impossible to have a discussion, a debate, a discourse about what it is that they're presenting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll also talk a little bit about how belief systems have been affected over centuries, too, by what goes on in the paranormal, or how paranormal belief systems have been affected over the centuries by what goes on in the field itself. So it should be a pretty good discussion. It I sounds hope. really interesting. I'm sad I'm missing it. I don't know how good it'll be. Like I, you know, it, so- it sounds like a good topic. I don't know uh-huh. how good it'll be once the discussion actually starts. I think you'll be fine. The audience is usually pretty good about bailing me out. but Right. You always do a great job. I have not given a bad one yet. At least I haven't gotten any bad reviews yet. I think people have just been, if they thought it was bad, they were nice enough not to, to tell me or post it online. But that could be it, but I've seen you in action, and I do have to say it's there. I mean, I've been, good. last October I was all over the place, and there were some nights where 
you know, I just felt like the crowd wasn't into the topic, you know. And I just try and do the best that I can. But there's certain audiences that you can feel. You know, if you're going into a library and doing a, a discussion, there's certain times that you can tell, like, people are just there because they want to get out on a Tuesday night. And they don't really, they're not buying anything you're saying. They're not interested in anything you're saying. They're just there because it's better than sitting at home and staring at the paint drying on the yeah, wall. Yeah, but you know what? They also chose to be there, so I say it is what it is. But this will be different because this is going to be a crowd that is ravenous about paranormal topics, so it's always very engaging. The only thing, too, that uh, I like about doing the lectures there is you get to be inside the theater and and do the lectures in the theater, which is great because usually it's really hot out and you can get inside the air conditioning for a little while. Right. But you're on a big stage, too. So, you you know, you have that feeling of, like, I better, really better deliver because I'm standing on an actual real stage instead of just standing in front of, like, a bed sheet hanging on the wall. Yeah, the the old school days of Ocean State Paracon, we were in the church, and we were on the basement, and it was hot. Oh, see, I've never been in there. Really? But, yeah, the theater is I nice. It's a nice nice theater. No, I, I went for the first time, I think, what, last year or the year before? The year before last. Well, I used to go to every single one, and... um. Maybe it was Matt Costa that was with me. And Matt Moniz? I can't remember. I know, um, yeah, you've been Matt Costa. You, you, we were talking about it earlier, about where it used to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. We went to, uh, it was at the church, yep. I believe. I think, and uh, there was just, you, you know, know one room, there. and that was it that people sat at. But um, the upstairs was beautiful. It was phenomenal there. Um, but I haven't been to Harrisville, so. Well, I think, it's a, I think it was a conscious decision when they invited me to stop having it in the church. There you go. they were afraid I would offend somebody. So that that's probably well. We'll have to ask Cam when we have him coming on a little bit later <laughs> on, uh, and then also later on tonight, I want to talk about the new Ghostbusters movie. Uh, I I want to just go on record as saying that I've been against this from the beginning. Okay. Since I've heard about it, uh, it has nothing to do with it being an all female cast. Well, no, because you hang out with me all the time. So it has everything to do with who the females are in the cast. Now, I know we're probably getting. We're jumping ahead of ourselves, but is it because it's the females in particular, or are you just against the reboot period? Like no, I figured, classic, I, or? I figured it was going to have to happen, that if they were going to make a movie, it was going to have to have a new cast. Okay. I did not expect that it would be, um, you know, because it had been in different discussions over the years. I mean, this is uh, something I've been talking about since the 90s. Right. So originally it was going to be... Uh, I think Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo. And mm-hmm. so it was going to be like, you know, a lot of the 90s comedians and comic actors. And then as we came through the years, then at one point it was supposed to be Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen mm-hmm. and that crowd. And now the idea came along to make it an all-female cast, which, again, I wouldn't have been opposed to. I just, the the ones that they picked... I like Melissa McCarthy, though. See, she irritates me. Really? Yep. And all four of them together... Uh, they could probably be fine on their own, but for some reason it's like, well, I, I just, I cannot stand Kristen Wiig. But when you put them all together, it's like, and I like Leslie Jones, and I think Kate McKinnon's pretty good on SNL. Mm-hmm. But I just think, like, there's just something not right about them coming together. I don't know how I feel about Kristen Wiig. I mean, if you want to go back to, like, Bridesmaids, she was all right. Yeah, no, that was a that was a well made movie, and they yep. got the best out of the two of them in that film. But I think Melissa McCarthy was way funnier. I think Chris, uh, Kristen Wiig is funnier when she's not trying to be funny. Yeah, she's fun- it's sense. it's almost awkward to watch her. Um, but I mean, I've been a fan of Melissa McCarthy since the Gilmore Girls days, and 
um, I mean, some of her movies are way funnier than others, but I don't know how I'm feeling the whole Ghostbusters thing. See, you're not a uh, you're not a regular SNL viewer. I used to be a long time ago. But you haven't been watching this cast over no. the last few years, and especially Kristen Wiig when she was on. Yep. And they beat every character to death. Mm. Where it's like, oh boy, they're doing the Lawrence Welk bit again. I uh, I fast forward through many uh, Kristen Wiig uh, sketches. Oh boy, it's Gilly again. Gilly was the worst. And I think Gilly's like the standard bearer for overdone characters. Uh, but uh, what was it? Garth and something? Where her and Fred Armisen were the singers? Garth and Cat or something? Oh, yeah, I never. I, that was one of those. That was a fast forward. Watched. Yep. Yep. Uh, the. Just pretty much everything <laughs> she did. The one that I liked and they didn't do it enough was when her and Jason Sudeikis played the a hole couple. That was really yeah. good. Yeah. They just didn't do that enough. I think that was more Jason Sudeikis, though, because he's Of course. Of course. Well, we were just talking about potato chips earlier. <laughs> we were sharing potato chips, and I asked you to give me back my potato chip. But <laughs> that's that's who I would have wanted to see in a Ghostbusters movie. I would have wanted to see Will Forte and Jason Sudeikis together. Because, and, and again, it's not a sexist thing, but no, they don't. have great chemistry, and I think they would have been hilarious together. The, the problem is is that I'm not, for, for four people that have done a lot of stuff together on SNL, I don't feel any chemistry from the four of them. The trailer looks horrible. Nothing was funny. And I don't think that, you know, a, a, another hour and 45 minutes of them together is going to mm-hmm. change my mind. And the the only good thing about the movie, Matt, is that it brought back the Ecto Cooler. That's right. Which, which we've been we, searching right. for for forever now. And we've been enjoying it tonight. Remember when you were a kid, though, and an Ecto Cooler juice box could last you a little while? I feel like they were bigger. I think they were. I think that's like, part of the, the calorie thing now. But I think it's everything. Like, uh, juice boxes are smaller. Little Debbie snacks are smaller. My waist isn't. Well, that's why. Because they're trying to limit the calorie intake that we have. It's like, you can still have your high C juice box and your little Debbie fruit right. snack, but we're just going to give you smaller versions of them, and you're not going to realize it, but I realize it. I realize it when I have to eat two Star Crunch now instead of one. <laughs> I have to eat both sides of the package. Do they still have Star Crunch? I don't even know. What uh, they that? do, but you have to. You really have to find it. You don't know Star Crunch? No, I don't. What? Wow. Not telling... Well... She's, she's no, not, I'm not... Not I'm, calling you guys. She old, looks like a Drake skirt. No, no, that has nothing to do with you. That just has to do with the fact that, like, I wouldn't have thought that Star Star Cakes would have been something that disappeared. Star Crunch. I, I would have thought no that would have been something is. that that they kept around. It was essentially. How would you describe I didn't know it? Know what it was? <laughs> it was kind of like a Rice Krispies treat covered in chocolate. But it was right. it was firmer than a Rice Krispies treat. If but you, and the chocolate kind of was in it. Too. Was it in it, too? Yeah, I don't know. It was yeah, like a really right. chewy rice I've never even heard of it. it was, there was, it was caramel like in it. That's what was in it. Car- there was caramel took, in they it. They took caramel and they took Cocoa Krispies. Okay. And then they m- mashed it into like a, a hamburger patty. And then they covered it with chocolate. Was it was it shaped? Kind of. Was it round or was it star-shaped? I think it was, Are you Googling it right I'm now? I'm Googling it right okay, now. Good, I think I Maybe it was supposed to be Star Crunch. I never got, understood why it was called Star Crunch. Oh, no, you're right. No, it looked like... You know those things you used to give a dog, the Gaines Burgers? <laughs> it was like a chocolate-looking Gaines Burger. Let's see. Uh, well, you can buy them from Amazon, so they must still make them. I can't. Can you? 
I can't imagine. I see. I can't turn the cam. I can't turn the computer because we're we have a camera on top of it. But uh, oh yeah, that's right. Will it, will it ma- oh, all right. All right. So that was Star Crunch right there. Yeah. No. Wow. You don't never saw that. Nope. Were you a little, little Debbie's fan? I was gonna or? say, is it a little Debbie's thing? Because I can kind of. I mean, I need my glasses to see that far, but um, I don't really know. I have no idea. What does she make? You were Mrs. Freshly's type of person. No, I have or? no idea. I think I just grab whatever I like. No. And what is that. a Star Crunch made of? It's a soft, <laughs> chewy cookie topped with a car- topped with caramel and crisp rice, then covered in a layer of fudge. So th- that's. I mean, that's a perfect definition. There you go. Sounds like it could be good. They were. They were delicious. Mm. But they were also very, very chewy. So you had to have your Ecto Cooler okay. to wash down your Star Crunch with. Although Ecto Cooler, the original incarnation of it, I remember having that more with the Hostess Choco Bliss, which I'm pretty sure that the you know the Surgeon General told uh, Hostess, like, please stop making the Choco Bliss. Kids are dying from it because it's so sweet. Oh, my God. But it was like nonstop chocolate. I don't know if I had a Choco Bliss. It was bad. I didn't like them. See, my dad would go out and buy like a box of something because there was five kids in my family. Mm -hmm. So he would go out and buy a box of something hostess and then put one in each kid's snack for school. And so because back then, kids, we didn't have to have an apple. They would let us bring in whatever we wanted for snack. I was a hostess fan. I remember when I brought in like a slice of pizza as snack one day and a a piece of leftover Papa Gino's Mm -hmm. pizza and all the other kids were like, you brought pizza for a snack? That's genius. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, like kids are bringing in like turkey subs as like their yep. snack. And, and that's how you got got to be the the mayor of third grade. <laughs> the teacher oh was God. finally like, this is ridiculous. We're not having lunch at 10 o'clock and then lunch again at 12 o'clock. Like we need to curb this a little bit. But it was, you know, that was... Like second breakfast. Right. Hmm. Third meal. Yeah. But, but uh, I think we owe Taco Bell some royalties. But the, 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 the Star Crunch was... was one of those ones when you were a kid that you ha- you know that's what you wanted. Little Debbie overall, not so good. No, there, I was not a fan of zebra cakes. I was not a fan of what were some of the other little Debbies? Um, I, could, I, could, I could probably rifle a bunch. Um, yeah. <laughs> so do it. Uh, well, they had like the donut sticks, which were oh yeah, the donut sticks were good though. I like the donut sticks, nope. but you had to have some sort of liquid with it because I mean you try to eat you can't eat two donut sticks without drinking. No, you had to have like a you whole milk for yeah. Right. Then they had. The, I used to dunk my donut sticks. <laughs> they had a Star Crunch, the Cosmic Brownie. Oh, the Cosmic Brownie! Uh, I was gonna say those Cosmic Brownies always looked disgusting. Yeah, yeah, they kind of were. <laughs> they are. They are. No, I don't know. no prepackaged brownie has no. ever been very good. Well, at the Cosmic Brownie, they didn't even cook it. It was just like it was like they, gooey, right? They might have cooked like, it for like five minutes. I right, remember yeah. it like yeah. sticking it to the all, package. My yeah, friends used to have them at snack time. Yeah, what, it was just gross. What were those brownies? And I think you can still get them. But like, no, there's never been a packaged brownie. And I'm a brownie guy. Mm. But there's never been a packaged brownie that I've enjoyed. Except for the ones they would sell like at Cumberland Farms, like right by the register. It was like a square. It would be like in a little basket. And they'd have like the square brownie. And it had like a yellow logo on it. And sometimes they had nuts. And I used to get mad if it was the nut ones because I don't like nut brownies. <laughs> but... I can't remember like what the name of it was. Those were the only good packaged brownies ever. I think it was um, it was like the Boston Baking Company or something. So that, that's they, probably right. You can find them like here and there, but they're those few and good. far between. Why do you guys know so much about this? Because we well, years ago we were going to start a uh, a ghetto snack blog. Okay, <laughs> that's what these are okay. referred to as. These are referred to as ghetto snacks. They are. We were we were going to review 
Um, it's, it's not too late. <laughs> no, it's, it's really late. not. I mean, I mean, just look at me. I've already given up. So I might as well just review ghetto snacks now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you it's should be like food reviews, but it was hurry up and do that before yeah. somebody else takes your idea now that you announce it to the world. Oh, man. See? I'm and sure this is going to go out to millions of people. I'm sure. I'm sure we didn't really, really want to make money off it. We just wanted a product endorsement. We just wanted just send us free snacks. Yeah. Right. We just wanted some little. But dairies. if they're gross snacks, then why do you want them? Well, because we got them for free. So. <laughs> oh my god. It doesn't really matter. I mean, we'll still eat it. But uh, right, yeah. See, see, this is what's funny. Is like this. Uh, this has nothing to do with the paranormal. But this no, is like this, we're going to get so many emails from this. This is terrible paranormal radio, but. We're getting so many comments on YouTube in the chat room. You know what, though? People get to know us for who we are, and you either love us or you love to hate us. It we're, is what it is. We're probably going to get a ton of uh, hashtag spooky live stuff on, on Twitter. Perfect. This is what people want to talk about. They're like, you know, ghosts are fine. We're going to talk about ghosts. We really want to talk about snacks. Talking about snacks, too. And honestly, what kind of paranormal investigation would it be if you did not have snacks? That's true. I remember... I mean, doing what I do, especially, like, you know, the psychic medium type stuff, drains you completely. An entire investigation would drain anyone, but I end up totally out of it before, I don't know, maybe a couple hours in. Um, And it was always uh, Mike Markowitz. Every time I went out with him, he would have a complete car full of snacks because he knew it would keep me going. you need it. And it was so funny because he always thought about me ahead of time, and I always appreciated it because I needed it. Well... Maybe he was telling you he thought, but maybe Mike Markowitz just drives around with a car full of snacks anyway. Oh, no. It was like special snacks that he got just for the night. It was hysterical. Oh, well. He would sit me down and be like, okay, we got this, we got this, we got this. And like it was a tradition that we had. Because, you know, Mike, Mike grows his own vegetables, and oh he's God, always yeah. making all these great healthy yep. meals. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a secret supply in the trunk. Has he ever talked to you about his worms? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yep. But thankfully, I haven't had to eat any. Right. But I will, I, I mean, I'll try pretty much any snack, and especially, you know, on investigation nights, event nights, whatever, you know, you're always looking for something at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Ghetto snacks are where you go, where you turn to. Not and me. fruit pies are my go-to. Fruit pies? Yep. Okay. Like the Hostess fruit pies, mm-hmm. and even the uh, the knockoff ones, Little Debbie ones aren't bad, but there's some knockoff ones, the Mrs. Freshly's and the JJ's Bakery. I had one this week. <laughs> <laughs> Ken DeCoss is calling in. He's like, I don't even know what they're talking about. Right. But Wrong I'm radio show. This. But I had a new JJ's Bakery like pie cake thing this week. Boston cream. Bought out of a vending machine at my day job. Boston cream. Mm-hmm. And you're a huge Boston cream fan. I do. I love Boston cream. But I love pudding. And... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Especially $240. $240 worth of pudding. I was waiting. Please don't bring that back to that video. Please but don't the, do it. The, uh, you know, this, this, they called it Boston Cream, mm-hmm. but all it was was they basically put chocolate pudding and vanilla pudding into a fruit pie. That's disgusting. You know, like, you know, the fr- you know how they have, like, the pudding yep. version of the fruit pies? So that's all that it was, and they called it Boston Cream. I was like, this is genius. Why did it take so long for somebody to come up with this? So... Going from talking about a variety of snacks to talking about the upcoming Ocean State Paracon, we have joining us on the line the founder of Rise Up Paranormal, Ken DaCosta. Good evening, Ken. How are you? Good evening, folks. How's everybody doing tonight? Well, we're hungry now. Well, obviously I am, too. I just caught the uh, tail end of that, and uh, there's no decent bakeries open right now. You're killing me. Well, that's the thing. Is what we're talking about, you would never find right. it at a decent bakery. It's a ghetto snack. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the, the stuff that you find. Because, you know, we got the Ecto Cooler in here. 
and uh, we were, you know, they have the the Ghostbusters Twinkies are out now too. Uh, but you know, you do a lot of investigations during the course of the year, a lot of events. Do you have like a go-to two a.m. snack that you have to grab on your way home? Yeah, anything that well during the investigation, anything that doesn't crunch or make noise. But I'm usually uh, on the way home. I break down. It's a bag of chips and a uh, bottle of Gatorade of some uh, of some type. That's usually my go-to for the ride home. Because you need it. I mean, you're, 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 you've burned out your energy. Your electrolytes are down. You need a little something. Well, you got to have it. you got to have it. You know, it's just, especially the Gatorade at one point, because especially when we do the public things, you know, I end up talking so much that I just, I get sick of hearing myself talk. So uh, sore throats result in that. So anything I can just swig down in the uh, hour or so it takes to get home is fine by me. Is is there ever a time when you can remember being on an investigation and and literally feeling like uh, you had no energy to continue, like like you were just completely sucked out of any energy you might have had? Yeah, you know, once in a while you kind of get that way uh, when we do like the late night things and it's like one, two, three o'clock in the morning or something like that. You just sort of like. You just feel like it's out of you, and then you're just sort of like makes it worse because it's like, oh, you know, it's such a long drive home and something like that. But um, I haven't been as bad as some because I've seen people literally because they missed a meal or something like that and didn't have anything. I've seen them drop during investigation. That's scary. And right away, you know, everybody is thinking that, you know, they become possessed or something like that. But actually, they just kind of miss lunch and dinner and uh, on a long night and then maybe a hot night inside of a place. So, uh, you know, that's gotten scary sometimes. But we usually just try to get some fluids in them and uh, it just kind of resuscitate them a little bit. But we won't have to worry about that next weekend because there's going to be plenty of food and snacks around at the at the Ocean State Paracon 2016. Uh, it's happening again uh, at the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island, and it's taking place. It's 12 to 7 both days, both Saturday and Sunday. Yes, it is. And um, on Friday night, we're also offering a choice of two investigations that you can come on. One is Smith's Castle in Whitford, Rhode Island, and the other is the Paint House which is just about rise-up space of operations at this point, five years into it. Saturday night, we're offering the Assembly Theater itself as an investigation, and all that information can be found on riseupparanormal.com. If you just click on the Paracon on the menu box, it'll take you for advanced tickets um, or any of those investigations that you want to participate in, and um, so all the pertinent information will be there. And, and you can get it right there. It is. It's all right there. It's easy to find. Uh, one question, though, that I do have is when when you bring people to these places, because you do events at these places throughout the course of the year, uh, but, you know, Paracon is different because you bring in a lot of people from all over. A lot of people are coming from all over the country and, and some from internationally. When they get into these little quaint New England haunts, I mean, that must mean more to them even than any of the evidence that they might find because you're getting to really step back in time as opposed to other places where, you know, they're like, oh, we, we investigate the oldest building in town. It's a 100 years old. You know, we get you you get to go into places that are much older than that all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at Payne House, we're talking about 1668. When people come in that have never been there before, and a lot of them have heard about this, if they follow us or follow the event, they've heard about the Payne House, they've heard about Smith's Castle, but then they actually have an opportunity to come in, and I think it kind of energizes us, too, when people come in kind of wide-eyed. Maybe it's the first time in New England, or maybe it's the first time 
they've had an opportunity to walk into a place they've read about and heard so much about. Um, it kind of like motivates us too to do an even better job for them because we know it's their first time and maybe their last time. You know, they won't get that opportunity again. So we want to make sure that uh, they have a great experience. Of course, we can't guarantee that you know spirits are going to show up and they're going to have anything profound happen to them. But uh, we just love when people come in, like you say, uh, from all over the country. We've had people come in from Italy and um, go with us on these things, and um, it's always great to see, um, and I'm glad that we could do a little bit to uh, kind of enhance their experience. And it also helps, you know, increase the visibility of these locations, so it makes it so that now, you know, despite all the, the great stuff that you guys do there, you know, the whole the rest of the year they still want to be able to bring people in for tourism and have interest in these locations, so that's only going to spill over. And I always tell people when they come to one of our events and they, they're running around in the dark at night, you know, if you like it now, come back during the day and come back and really experience the history. Yeah, and very much like you guys do. I mean, we use the paranormal to attract people that have an interest in that, but ultimately we just we want them to come into the locations and learn about the past, learn about the history, learn a little bit about the town even. So, um, you know, it's good because you have that balance, and bringing people into these places is um, can be beneficial because I can't tell you how many times that someone's come in to an investigation and winds up uh, getting a membership in the Historical Society or something like that. So, And I think that's important, too, because you need new generations of people to come in and take an interest in these places just to perpetuate it, to keep the doors open, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, you know, and, you know, some some of us may not even be around. And if it's the uh, paranormal that turns them on to it, then that's great. I mean, that is a big problem because, you know, just like you, I talk to a lot of people that are involved in historical societies and, and running some of these places, and that is one of the biggest problems is there is no younger generation that's willing to come in and take stewardship of these locations except for people that are interested in the paranormal. That seems to be kind of the lifeblood of keeping the next generation interested in these places. Right. So that's why... Um when we do do these things, of course, you know, we're doing it under the premise that we're going to investigate, but we try as hard as we can not to turn the place into the haunted house or the spooky house or something like that. So we give them the background history. It's like, why is this place here? What's significant about it and everything like that? So we try to strike that balance as much as they're there for that purpose. We want them to visit again. We want them to come back. And like you say, that's the perfect way to do it. Come back in daytime when you can uh, get a tour of the place and um, you've had your paranormal fix. We'll come back and listen to some of the docents talk about the history of these places. So in doing that, we try to work hand-in-hand with the historical societies. And, um, you know, because funding is so hard to come by these days, a lot of them have had to kind of think outside the box a little bit and open doors to things like this that might have been closed a number of years ago. But it all comes down to intent and approach, you know, how we approach it, how you approach it, uh, where we're trying to work hand-in-hand with them and not stray too far off their message in doing what we're trying to do. And in addition to, you know, benefiting those locations, also Ocean State Paracon every year benefits a different charity, and, and you have a very special one picked for this year. We do. Um, this year we've decided that the beneficiary will be um, the Rhode Island Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and um, we try to keep these charities local because 100% of the profits 
will go to these organizations in a small state like Rhode Island, uh, we want to make sure that every dollar gets there. Uh, a lot of times we call them charities, which sometimes has a sort of negative connotation to it where it sounds like a handout or something. But these are really advocacy programs, and they're staffed by an army of volunteers who put their own time in to try to reach out and help people who need it. So in doing something like this, we want to do just our small part in giving them the resources that the administrators need to run a solid program and help as many people as uh, as they possibly can. And also, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't something that really kind of played into it too much, but, you know, the paranormal community, the paranormal family was kind of struck by, you know, what can happen with domestic violence uh, earlier, well, it was early, late last year. Uh, so, I mean, it, it does go to show that, you know, there it, it can touch all of our lives. It certainly can. And, you know, it wasn't the main stimulus for doing this um, with the instance with the, um, the tragedy that involved uh, the Constantinos. But um, it did contribute to it in a way, um, but we didn't want to sensationalize it or, you know, because right. I never met them. So we didn't want to, you know, make this about them and sort of, you know, prey on people's emotions and things like that. This is just um, a worthy cause in and of itself. But one of the more gratifying things that came out of this is I found out that the event was actually shared on the Constantino's Facebook page, and I wasn't aware of it until a friend let me know. So, you know, I was kind of touched by that and also, um, you know, very happy that they, um, you know, in their own way supported this. So that was kind of cool. I, I think that it's great when you can get anybody to come together and and sit around and really talk about the paranormal and to share stories and experiences and theories. Uh, but you've put together a group, as always. I mean, uh, it seems like each year the lineup gets better and better, but uh, there really is like a who's who of not only New England paranormal researchers here, but, but people from all over. Yeah, I mean, the thing I never envisioned was that this apparently became a destination stop. And five years ago, we never imagined anything like that. You know, we figured if we raised $1,000 for, you know, muscular dystrophy or the Autism Society, that would be great. And then that jumped to $5,000 last year for the Wounded Warrior Project. But, um, you know, the way this has grown and the amount of people who want to come to this type of thing, I mean, it's humbling. It really is. Um, and people from the local community, Samantha Hawes, Christopher Rondina, Dustin Perry, Joe Chen, Tiffany Rice, Kevin Sylvia, John Brightman, I mean, you know, Carl Johnson, Keith Johnson, um, and the uh, the one and only inimitable Tim Weisberg this year. I mean, the people from the local community, and you look at people like Andrea Perron and, and, and Rosalind Bowne and some of the other people, Dave Giuliano, Bob Christopher, they're coming from longer distances, and I can't stress this enough. I mean, they're coming here of their own volition, on their own dime, making their own accommodations, which is almost unheard of these days, um, to support whatever it is that we do, whatever that particular cause might be. And we have a great time doing it, and we get to hear a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different vendors, whether that's uh, paranormal groups or whether it's local artists, you know, with their jewelry and, hand, jewelry and handcrafted items, stained glass, whatever the case may be. It all just gets everybody together to do some good um, in the local community. And um, I can't 
express how grateful I am for the uh, for the ongoing support of this every year. And I have people next year who have already contacted me from wow. Minnesota and you know a lot of places far away that want to be a part of this. And I just it, it's mind blowing uh, how this. Uh, has grown, and um, I can't say how appreciative I am to everybody who supports this. Well, and it helps, too, that uh, a lot of people want to come to this because it's not your typical, you know, stuffy, everybody's in a convention center or in a hotel ballroom. I mean, uh, for the most part, you're outside, you're right. you're you're able to kind of freely walk amongst each other and, and talk, and it, and it seems like a very, you know, no-pressure, very relaxed kind of family atmosphere. Yeah, and that's the thing, Tim, that we're proudest of, because even when we were down in a church basement in a hall uh, the first couple of years, we wanted to make this uh, as laid back an event as possible, you know, without that kind of corporate structure, and, you know, um, we wanted to make our guests accessible and um, just have everybody just be able to mingle and roam around, and, you know, having it outside seemed to enhance that. So we took a chance that first year. It's like, wow, what's this going to be like? You know, we're outside underneath tents. and But it actually made it even better because I think everybody relaxed even more, you know, on a nice, warm summer New England weekend uh, to get up from your table, to walk around, shake some hands, take some pictures, have a few laughs, go inside the theater, listen to the speakers. I think it kind of um, amplified that whole atmosphere that we've tried to create where everybody's on the same level and, again, very accessible. And I think it's just made it even better. So, um, you know, we've been very fortunate over the last five years. And, of course, uh, in addition to everybody kind of just hanging out and being there, and you can walk by their table and talk with them and, uh, you know, purchase some of their swag, but also you know, there'll be a, a great lineup of discussions both days. Oh, absolutely. Uh, over the two days, we're starting uh, – at 12.30, there will be speakers inside the theater, and there will be six a day, and we'll go till quarter past six at night, give everybody a chance to kind of decompress before we shut down at 7 o'clock. But, I mean, Andrea Perron will speak, Krista Cesare, Christopher Rondina, yourself, Ethan Sandra, as I mentioned, and everybody else there will have um, an opportunity to get up on stage with a different type of talk and a different topic and um, share some of their perspectives and share some of the experiences that they've had in the years that uh, they've investigated the paranormal or researched it. Um, so we always try every year to, you know, find different people without being exclusionary, but to bring different voices in and let everybody have a wider range of information that's coming from these people. And I don't, you know, I don't want to dwell on, on any negative stuff, but, uh, you know, just, I will say, don't leave early. You know, stay and, and attend as many of these as you can because you never know what kind of, uh, you know, you never know what might pop up in one of these discussions as we saw last year. Dun, dun, oh, yeah. We, um, we had, um, <laughs> we had, uh, a little bit of controversy <laughs> pop up last year. And it's no secret in the paranormal community that there's some, um, there's some animosity between uh, Miss Perrin and the current owners of the um, of the farmhouse that the Conjuring was based on, and um, the current owner saw fit to come in last year. And um, you know, I don't know the right word I'm looking for, but sort of uh, put the Perrins on a spot because they've had some acrimony going on 
between them about the property, but, um, you know, I thought it was handled with, um, as best we could, it was handled in as classy and as quiet a way that we could, but um, those type of things I, I just didn't think are appropriate for what we're trying to accomplish here, but hey, you never know. You know what I mean? If you show up, I'm not promoting it, but you never know what might happen, right? <laughs> well, hey, listen, uh, you know, Roger Perrin's in his 80s, all right? I, I don't think I'd mess with him still. You know, uh, yeah. and he's sitting right next to me, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like I would not cross this guy. Yeah, you know, Roger's, uh, Roger's a good guy, but, uh, you know, Roger's, uh, Roger's opinionated, um, himself, you know, and he's not afraid to speak his mind, which, you know, hey, listen, you know, he's a native New Englander. We're, we're all kind of like that up here, you know, we just say what's on our mind, and then, you know, five minutes later, we forget all about it. So, and, and I'll um, say, I kept watching on YouTube to see if any video of that was going to pop up. You guys at Rise Up, you're better than Prince about, keeping, you know, the, what you don't want on YouTube on YouTube, because I never saw any video surface of that, so good job on yeah, that. Yeah, and, and you know what? Um, we, we wouldn't have censored it, but, uh, you know, um, typically uh, people film these things, and uh, last year, for whatever reason, we didn't have a camera going. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's nothing else for prosperity. Maybe we could use it for a how-to-run-a-paracon type of instructional video. Here's what you don't want at yours or something like that. We could have made it work for us. Well, I did I did uh, put out an invite recently to, to uh, both Norma and Andrea about coming on, and Andrea responded and you know, right away and said that she would do it, but that uh, you know not to expect Norma to do it, and I still haven't heard back from Norma, so maybe... Maybe uh, maybe things will be quiet this year. And, and yeah, I, I I mean you know you kind of hope so because I mean obviously there are uh, there's litigation going on now. There have been lawsuits filed, so I would think that it's in everyone's best interest while this is going on not to um, to say much about anything, you know, because you never know what can come back and be used against you. So, uh, But we'll be vigilant about it and everything like that. Uh, we managed to walk away and try to have a good laugh at it and things like that. But, um, you know, it's uh, emotions run high when it comes to that particular topic. But uh, as I said, um, when we kind of calmed everything down, we just hope that that's not the last thing that everybody would remember about uh, such an otherwise positive uh positive event trying to do some good in the community so i guess we'll find out tim and i'm sure it'll be a discussion point for a lot of people it'll be coming up in conversation i've seen you post a little bit about it on social media and it's one of our topics for discussion tonight on the show i gotta ask you what are your thoughts and feelings on this new ghostbusters movie that's coming out um my feelings are that immediately people you know the only thing i kind of resent about it are people are trying to make it a gender statement Mm-hmm. And some type of social statement like, um, if I don't like the movie, and I say, you know, I just thought it was terrible, and I, you know, obviously we haven't seen it, but if I were to say, I just don't like it, I think immediately people would say, well, why? Because it's all women in it? It's like, no. You know, I really don't care. I think, I think the world of Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, I mean, I love Bridesmaids. Paul Feig is directing it. He directed Bridesmaids. That was an hysterical movie. Um, so we'll wait and see. I mean, my feeling is there's certain things maybe you don't reboot or remake. You know, Ghostbusters is in that category, uh, and I put that there with, like, you know, different genres, but like The Godfather, I don't ever want to see it rebooted or remade. I think it's a standalone classic. 
Uh, I kind of feel that way about Ghostbusters to a degree. So, I mean, we'll see. I just don't think that, in my case, it won't have anything to do with um, uh, the gender of the people who are uh, stars in the movie. It's funny or it's good or it's not. Well, and you're somebody that has a, a pretty good filter to be able to, to turn off you know, the, the paranormal world filter and be able to look at things from a real-world perspective. And I think overall... There's there's a lot of you know vitriol toward people who are against this movie because they're saying it's sexist to be against it, and I think that goes beyond just the paranormal. But in the paranormal community itself, there's a lot of people who, because it's always been perceived as such a boys' club, and I don't know why, because you know it, it's a field that there's so many more women involved with than than I could count uh, in my lifetime. But still, there's always that perception that it's a boys' club, and so I think within the paranormal world. People are even more adamant about, you know, if you're against it, you're sexist. Yeah. And, boy, you just made a great point, and it's one that I've made myself on multiple occasions to people. Um, I think people make that judgment that it's a boys' club based on what they see on television. And I can't disagree if you think about it. Mm -hmm. You run down all the shows that manage to survive. Um, mostly it's male-generated, po- male male-populated. And I think people kind of project that into reality. And this is why I think TV, it, it, it kind of follows us up a little bit here. And people get really emotional and they get, you know, very excited about this, how this is a boys club, et cetera, and so forth. And you just made a great point. It's like, in reality, you know, more women are involved in this than men. Uh, not only that, but I speak just for our organization, Rise Up, and not only just Rhode Island, but the other the other four states in New England where we have affiliates, uh, the lion's share of the people that are involved in this are female. Uh, are Connecticut, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Leeds are all females, and they're great. So I don't really identify with that, and I just don't think that um, I, I, I just think that it's too much of what people are taking off television and somehow, you know, making that um, you know a reason, you know, like they need one to just um, say what's on their mind, and and that's fine, but I don't see it in reality. Well, that's just like everyday media. No matter what, everybody just believes what they see on the news or they believe what they see on TV. And, uh, you know, something as simple as an eight-hour investigation cut into a half hour or an hour, people just believe that things happen that fast. It's not. It's producer television. It's not reality television. So I um, was definitely determined to... We, we say unscripted. Unscripted? Instead of reality, sorry, we sorry, say sorry. unscripted. Yeah. But, you know, and, and, Steph, you know what? You're right. And I never looked at it as reality. I've looked at it more as like a docudrama yep. than reality because the reality of this is, you know, nobody would watch it. Right. But... <laughs> you know, and I think you understand that. Unfortunately, I think people, those lines kind of get blurred a little bit and people kind of look at that and, you know, they have their idols and their favorites and their heroes. Of course. They follow that. And I can understand that, but, you know, I think that sometimes you've got to leave TV where it is and take it for what it's worth. But unfortunately, some people tend to tend to carry that over. But, hey, that's why they have commercials, right? Right. You're selling products. You're reaching as many people as you possibly can to influence them with, you know, uh, the best jingles that you can, the funniest commercials. You know, the power of the media can't be um, underestimated. No, absolutely not. It's it's 
everything, not just paranormal. I mean, we know about the paranormal. We know about, you know, how TV shows work, you know, the background of how TV shows are put together. We know about it, so it becomes frustrating when people just take what they see in the media. But we probably do it, too, in everyday life, you know, about other topics besides the paranormal. You know, we see somebody on a TV show that we really enjoy watching or we think is a great historian or we think is great, you know, in their field. And they might not be the best, but that's who fit the television bill. That's who producers wanted, so that's what's pushed out there. So it's definitely common in everyday life, never mind paranormal. Oh, yeah. And, and and a lot of times because of social media, you see, like, people trying to make a connection with these celebrities. And, right. And, you know, I mean, it, you could do a fascinating case study just on that in and of itself. But you know the way social media is. Everybody, now everyone has a voice, whatever pops into you. It's very <laughs> interesting. At time, you can, you know, a thousand people get to know about it. Right. It's It's great and it's terrible all at the same time. It is. So it'll be happening next weekend on Saturday and Sunday at the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island. It is the 2016 Ocean State Paracon. Andrea Parent, Amy Bruni, Dustin Parry, Samantha Hawes, Joe Chin, Krista Chesery, Tiffany Reich, Shannon Sylvia, George Lopez, Keith and Sandra Johnson, some guy named Weisberg, Rosalind Bowne, Dave Giuliano, Bob Christopher, Chuckles the Clown, and, of course, Ken DaCosta and the whole Rise Up crew will all be there. It's happening from 12 to 7 on both days, $10 per day, $15 for the weekend, kids under 12, $5.00. And uh, the pro- the benefit charity this year is the Rhode Island Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Ken, get some rest because, you know, it's going to be on you in a couple of days. And I- I've seen how you have to run around. I just knocked over camera. <laughs> I've seen how you've had to run around this thing, and I know you're going to need that rest. Yeah, absolutely. I'm already starting to do a little road work here so I can like, get myself in the best physical condition I possibly can. Plenty of Gatorade and potato chips are coming your way. That's it. <laughs> All right. And Gatorade. Have a great hey, night, thanks, sir. Thanks, guys. I appreciate uh, you having me on tonight. And if you're out there, come visit us next weekend. Absolutely. And I'll see you then. You betcha. Have a great night. That is Ken DeCasa, the founder of Rise Up Paranormal, and uh, you can see him and the whole group. And I'll tell you, they do a fantastic job, the Rise Up group. You cannot give them enough credit for how much they do all the running around and and organizing and everything. So things go off very smoothly, and that will all be happening next weekend at the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Picturesque little uh, quaint New England village to spend the weekend at. I highly recommend that you come on out. And I highly recommend that you also come on back for the next hour of Spooky South Coast because we're going to talk some more about this new Ghostbusters movie. We'll take your calls and thoughts as well at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. A lot of you people out there are opinionated about the trailer, opinionated about what you think is going to happen with the movie, but... You know, it's one thing to hide behind a keyboard and make those comments. It's another thing to call in and share them on the radio with people and streaming on YouTube as well. So hopefully you will do that as well. Spread the word. Get everybody to call in and share their thoughts. We'll be back in just a few moments with more Spooky South Coast.
hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg, along with Stephanie Burke and the silent assassin Matt Costa. And uh, we are having a, a great time here tonight. Stephanie, you are, uh, how are you doing here? Are you succeeding? I'm, I'm doing what well. you're doing? Yes, I am. Because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking at... Uh, you're going to make fun of me live on air? No, I'm just looking at this post, and I just wanted to make you aware that yes. um, apparently Casey put up a story. I did see it. And she caught a Bulbasaur here. She did. So She did. Is that a, is that a big deal? Not really. I, I don't think so. Like, if I know a Pokemon, if I know what it is, then it's probably not that good because, like, I've tried playing the game for 20 years now, and every time I do, I get, like, 10 minutes into it, I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope, nope, this sucks. Really? Also, they hashtagged at my oh. office right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> on the, they did, for real, on the really? Pokemon post, yeah. That's funny. So there, there's actually some kid in uh what is it? I'm trying to pull this. Is Wyoming who found like a dead body? Yes. Playing Pokemon you know, Go. Did you read that article? Um, yeah, it was. There's a girl. also all sorts of things like people are like going outside and in, in the world for the first time yeah, in years, yeah. getting up off the couch. Well, I thought it was a great um thing that they they developed because if anybody was a kid or maybe not a kid in the 90s and played on Game Boy. You had Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Yellow. Um, you just sat there on an electronic and you just played all day long. I know I did it. I know plenty of people did it. But this was kind of like ingenious. There's, there's, uh, as we were saying off air, you know, I was talking about how my son was into it for a long time. Yep. He was like super into it for a couple of years. But now, you know, it's it's kind of waned. But he's still, when a new game comes out, he'll, he'll play right. it. But... Uh, overall, like he's not as obsessed with it as he was, but it's it's never gone away. I mean, there's always been there's been TV series well, that still like been they, on. I watched like the original TV series. I played the original game. I know nothing about like newer Pokemon. I heard there's like a tons of de- generations of them, um, but this one kind of deals on like the the original so far. But um, for people that are listening at home. Um, Live online, YouTube, or Facebook Live. In order to play Pokemon Go, you actually have to walk. And it works with Google Maps because um, the company that made the uh, made the app actually is the Google Maps company. So you have to walk to make it work to look for Pokemon. So it's kind of like a fitness thing. Well, it would for me, it would be the same way as the original game. I'll catch one or two and be like, that's enough. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. apparently I did see that uh, they're coming out with... A new um, watch that you would wear. So if you mm-hmm. play Pokemon Go, you would wear this watch, and it has like a I Pokeball saw, like, a on clip. it. Yeah. And so that way, there you could take it off and literally throw it. Oh no, I didn't see that. Like you wouldn't throw. Like you wouldn't want it to leave your hand. Yep. But you would just take it off, or you would leave it on your wrist and just throw your arm. I haven't seen that. I saw the clip that you can clip to like. I saw it on somebody's um, like bag strap, um, and it buzzes when there's a Pokemon nearby. I just I think it's going to be really weird if like all of a sudden I'm walking down the street and some kid just goes like. <laughs> you know what's really funny is I've been driving around you know the past twenty four hours we'll say. Not not while you're playing the game. Oh my god no no because right. I've I, seen uh, those memes already. Yes, <laughs> um, but I look at people on the street now and now I know why they're walking around because their faces are in their phones. Um, I may or may not have that, That's been going on well before Pokemon Go. No, but you can tell who's playing and who's not because they're so into it. I they don't she, even look she's up. She's just trying to make it seem like there's way more people playing than there no. is, so she doesn't feel so bad. Just wait. Just watch tomorrow. I like that I like that meme that's like it's like a like a 47 car pileup. <laughs> and it's like I killed 3 people. 
I caused millions of dollars worth of damage, but I caught a squirtle. Yes. Yep. It's crazy. It is a squirtle. He's a squirrel and a turtle. My brother said he almost got hit by somebody. Is is that? (laughs) I'm pretty sure, right? Are you just making that up? That's how they got squirtle, right? He's a squirrel and a turtle. He's just a turtle. No, he's a oh, turtle with a squirrel tail. Is he really? Yeah. yeah. See, I don't, I don't know that much about Pokemon. <laughs> I did. I did used to enjoy the original cartoon series, only because I thought that Meowth was hilarious. I was like the one guy that was like, "That's I see now. That's the guy I like. Why can't there be more of that guy on this show?" Oh my god! And also, he was the only Pokemon that could talk English. The rest of them could only say their names because mm-hmm. they're stupid. <laughs> they're just dumbass Pokemon. But Meowth was, like, advanced. He was awesome. He was, like, a little smartass. That's why I liked him. That's the first time right. I've ever was, heard you say that twice on air in what, less than a minute. I like the the meme that I sent my son, too. It was, like, uh, downloads Pokemon Go, breaks into Area 51. Sir, what are you doing? You can't be in here. This is high-level security clearance to get in here. Shut up. Where's Mewtwo? I know he's in here somewhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> That was, I thought that was a pretty good one. But, yeah, so, but now we can relate this back to what we're talking about because the Pokemon Go, the whole reason that that game came about is based on actually an app that came out a couple of years ago of Ghostbusters mm-hmm. where it was the exact same idea. You know, it wasn't strategically planned out with Google Maps and everything, mm-hmm. but you would open up the camera option through the game and Slimer would show up in your house. I heard about that. And yep. you would have to kind of catch him and throw out a trap and, and mm-hmm. suck him down in. So that was kind of one of the forerunners of this technology. And over the last five, six, seven years, you know, there's been a lot of Ghostbusters products that have come out. Right. There's been new action figures. There's been uh, they've re-released the cartoon series, and I know that a lot of it was kind of ramping up toward the release of this new movie. But it's something that has been making a comeback over the last you know decade or so. Uh, I would say probably at least the last five years since the 25th anniversary of the film, first film came out. Uh, but I think that that has it's had good and bad ramifications. Because in a way, it has kept the theory of Ghost, you know, the, the the original feeling of Ghostbusters alive for those who remember it. But in a way, it's also kind of made it into this fandom universe that I think a lot of people are part of. That it, uh, if this makes any sense, you can be into Ghostbusters without not actually caring about the original Ghostbusters team. Right. You're into the concept, you're into the idea, and I think that a lot, there are a lot of people that are like that now. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they probably looked at this movie and said, we could throw anybody in there. And as somebody pointed out in the chat room, you know, each time they've talked about doing this, they've been talking about bringing in four of whoever was the hottest people in Hollywood at the time. Right. And it, every time that it seemed like the movie was close to getting made, it would be whoever was the in actors or comedians of the moment. And that that's part of the reason why that this crowd was selected. And I, I would agree with that. I, I think that this is because Paul Fig was the one that wanted to make the movie. So he's going to work with the people that he works with anyway. And it's also that they know that these women are popular. And I think that what's lost in that is that the original Ghostbusters were all friends and collaborative partners well before the movie came out. And I know that you know, these four ladies have done that with Saturday Night Live themselves. But the 1970s Saturday Night Live creativity process, I think, was different 
than it was now. And, and everybody forgets, too, that Bill Murray wasn't even the original Peter Venkman. It was supposed to be John Belushi, but he died. And Ernie Hudson wasn't uh, supposed to be in the movie, right? It was supposed to be Eddie Murphy? Yeah, they wanted Eddie Murphy, but he didn't want to commit to that because he was getting starring roles, and he didn't want to be, you know, fourth banana in that yeah. movie. It was probably better off, too, because I think he would have been over-the-top, stereotypical black guy. It would have been funnier. I think some of the scenes where, like, you know, like the line, like, I have seen it that will scare you white, like that, you know, <laughs> I, I, Ernie Hudson's great. But I just think, like, Eddie Murphy would have gotten more laughs out of some of the stuff they gave Ernie Hudson to work with. Uh, but he also, I think you would have... I think he would have been, too, like, a little too distracting. You would have started that know? movie and he would have realized, no, wait a minute, this guy should be the star. Because all the characters, nobody was, like, more, uh, like, prominent than another. You know? They were all kind of, like, even as far as popularity was concerned. You would say that? You would say, well, say I'm, Egon I'm, was... Well, I'm just saying, like, the, nobody tried to steal the show. Right. Like, nobody tried oh, to steal a scene, exactly. Yeah, and that's the problem that I have with this cast, is they're four freaking scene stealers. Right, they're all competing to be the, the one that's popping out in that whatever particular scene they're doing. And I don't know how that's going to work. You know, I'm sure, you know, Paul Fagg probably worked on some of that with them. But there are four people that have to be the, the center of everything that they're involved with. So how does that kind of blend together? Like, I think it became pretty obvious when, when uh, Bill Murray shows up on the set of Ghostbusters and he's ad-libbing most of the movie that they realize, all right, it's probably better just to let him go and to let him do his thing. And... Dan Aykroyd could step aside and allow him to do that. Like, when you think about it, that's like... Dan Aykroyd is severely underutilized in the first Ghostbusters movie. Like, he really just plays second fiddle to Bill Murray. And he does so gladly. And it's not the Dan Aykroyd persona that we're used to seeing in films. You know, he's very quiet, reserved. You know, and, and I feel like that is... What they were trying to do with with Melissa McCarthy in the trailer and the, the commercials that I've seen, but I don't know if that can be sustained for a whole hour and a half, two hour movie. Because, first of all, they all have that in them. I think that whole look at me aspect of being involved in these scenes, but also, like you're going to want to utilize, you're going to put these people in the movie. You're going to want to utilize them because their fans have come to expect certain things from them in movies. So. That might play into some of it. But there is one review going around on YouTube. It has something like 600,000 views. Yikes. Matt and I were listening to it before the show, and we were talking about it. It has that many, really? Oh, yeah. It, like it was either 600,000 or 300,000. Maybe it was 60,000. I don't know, but it was a lot of views. And I had the feeling, just by listening to him, that he very well could not have even seen the movie. Like, it sounded like he was just making stuff up because he wanted to put it out there and have the first review and he knew he would get tons of views on his channel. Quite possible. But if it is legitimate and he did see the movie, he hated it. And he said that it was just a bad, bad movie. And I don't know if you can fix that kind of publicity. You can say all you want. You're against the movie because it's four women and that that is... You know, the the sexist attitude in Hollywood and the sexist attitude of audiences and all that. But if it's not funny, it's not funny. Right, right. But, I mean, is it going to... Everybody is... Everybody hates on movies whenever anything comes out, especially if it's something... Oh, I know. I go to MoviePoopShoot.com all the time. <laughs> especially if there's a movie I'm Magnolia fan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I knew you were a Magnolia fan. I could tell it. 
Um, but like, especially if you hold like a movie like Ghostbusters close to your heart, um, you're not going to like any new incarnation because we hate everything that's new and different. No one likes change. Right. I, I don't... I see... I have to kind of... I agree with that about most things, mm. but I also would say that I'd be willing to give a new Ghostbusters a shot if I thought it would be funny. I mean, do you think this is going to be... Uh, like, nobody's going to really like it now, but maybe in a year or two, there's going to be, like, a cult following, like, oh, like maybe Anchorman did, or... Well, maybe, like, maybe, New Generation. Maybe not, maybe not Anchorman, because it's, it's definitely not going to be Anchorman status. I, I, I don't know if any movie could be... That's, that's, that's a bad example, but... Um, it's like the Citizen Kane of comedy. <laughs> like, right. But maybe, like, a, like a Cabin Boy. But, or, you know, no, but Anchorman is a good example because that's a movie that people didn't get when they first saw it. And anybody that's only watched it once doesn't get it. You know, and and, and that's kind of a, a good example because that shows that sometimes you don't understand all the nuances of what they're trying to do in a film. I don't think this is going to be one of those films. You don't, you don't think it's going to like grow on people and they're going to appre- no. appreciate it later? Because from what I've heard, and again, this is all just speculation because we haven't seen the movie, but... The people who have seen significant more chunks of it than we have have come back and said the special effects are terrible. I mean, they're good, but they're cartoony, and they're too obviously CGI. One of the criticisms about the film is that even in the... Like, the film can't even follow its own continuity. Mm-hmm. That they say at the beginning of the movie, the proton packs are designed to lasso the ghost and corral the ghost to bring it into the trap and take it to the ecto-containment unit, which anybody that knows Ghostbusters knows that's what it does. But that apparently halfway through the movie, inexplicably, the proton packs just start blowing up ghosts. So instead of catching ghosts, now you're you're destroying them with no explanation as to why. So that... I mean, maybe there's more to the story that we don't know. But if that's the case, if it's just like that, like the way I described it, that's going to aggravate me. Hmm. I mean, it already is going to aggravate me the fact that they are... Apparently, this movie follows a lot of the same beats as the original movie. And this movie, ha- you know, the, the characters are pretty much based on the same idea of the original characters. Now, I thought, I was under the impression that this is what they call a requel, where it's... Ghostbusters 3, but it's designed to kind of bring the franchise back in a new direction, which is like, did you see the new Mad Max movie, Matt? Uh, Yeah, I thought it was really good. And it's actually Mad Max 4, Mm -hmm. and it's designed to kind of keep the movie going in in a new version, and so that's what a requel is. It's, it's, you know, it's... Like Like the Star Trek series? Right. The, it's the new ones. The new ones. It's it's another Star Trek movie, but it's designed to kind of start things fresh. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I thought this was originally. But as it turns out, it's not that. It's a complete remake. Because while everybody's been like, well, Ernie Hudson's in it, and Dan Aykroyd's in it, and Bill Murray's in it, and they're passing the torch to the ladies, and they're the next generation of Ghostbusters. No, that's not it at all. The three original Ghostbusters are in the film, but they do not play their characters. That's what one of the uh, points was that somebody made in one of the reviews. But when you go to the IMDb page, and again, this could be you know a red herring, 
But Bill Murray apparently plays a character named Martin Heiss. Uh, I'm trying to see if they have the names listed for anybody else. Uh, Dan Aykroyd plays a cabbie. This is probably spoiling some of these. You know, uh, uh, Ernie Hudson plays Uncle Bill, and Sigourney Weaver plays Rebecca Gorin. Should we, like, put out a spoiler alert? Right. Uh, please. Um, if I spoil this movie for people, they'll probably thank me later. <laughs> but so, this is... Like, why? Why are you doing that? Why would you choose to do that? And also, shame on the original Ghostbusters for agreeing to do that when they've been pushing for so long to have a connection to the new films. Do you want to hear some of the other cast members that are in it? Sure. I'm interested. Ed Begley Jr. I don't know who that is. You know Ed Begley Jr. He's in everything. He's been everything in everything since the 80s. Uh, Charles Dance is in it. We have a chat room question. What's the chat room question? I may have missed this, but does this new one take place in the same universe as the original two, or is it a whole different thing? So apparently, from what I've seen online, there's references to the original idea of Ghostbusters. So I would think that it is kind of a continuation of what was done before, but I can't be sure about that. Uh, but I had mentioned Charles Dance. Matt, you would know him as uh, Benedict from Last Action Hero, the bad guy oh, from yeah. Last Action yep. Hero. Stephanie, you would know him <laughs> as the midget dude's dad on Game of Thrones. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. What's his and his dad? I don't know his dad. His, the, the guy with the beard. I have no idea. I thought you were all caught up. I am. I just told you who the... This is like the first, midget guy is, but I don't first, know who his dad is. This is like the first season stuff, or Wait, second season at about? least. No, not his real life dad. The oh. guy who plays his dad on the show, Tywin Lannister. Yeah, whoever his dad Charles is. Charles Dance. Show. Yeah, yeah, that's that's who's in this movie. Okay. Which I generally like him in, in most things that he's in. Although, did you see uh, Dracula Untold, Matt? No. He either. played the vampire that like attacks Vlad the Impaler and turns him into a vampire. Oh, really? Yeah, it was pretty pretty good. I, I didn't really, I didn't finish the movie, but he was pretty cool in it. Uh, let's see, we're talking who else is in the movie. Uh, of course, everybody's been making a big deal about Chris Hemsworth being the, you know, the eye candy secretary. Uh, Michael McDonald, but not that Michael McDonald. Which you know, would have been great if it was actually, you know, that. Apparently, Ozzy Osbourne has a cameo in the movie. Uh, Michael Kenneth Williams plays uh, an FBI agent in the movie, which I think is awesome. Hmm. You know who he is, right? Uh, who is he? Omar from The Wire. Oh, all right. That, see, that that would have been the way to do the movie. Just have Omar go after the ghosts. You know, call him up from Baltimore. Although he's dead. Well, but he could be Ghost Omar. Sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen The Wire. Uh, Andy Garcia is in it. Cecily Strong. Annie Potts has a cameo. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's some pretty... Uh, Toby Huss, who I always like in everything that he's in. Let's see. How could I describe Toby Huss to Matt Costa? Um, he played Frank Sinatra in the uh, Vegas Vacation movie. The, the guy who sells Nick Papa Giorgio was fake ID. Okay. Yeah. And he used to do the Frank Sinatra impressions on MTV. Uh, so let's see. where He was also, uh, what else was he? He was on Carnival. So that's, I mean, that's just looking at some of the names on there. So they have some pretty good, pretty talented people. 
but I don't know how that, you know, bears out when the four main characters are the ones that people are most concerned about. Yeah, look, I'm perusing the list myself, and uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of people that I don't know. I'm thinking that there's a possibility. Now, there's a story out there, and I don't know how truthful these sources are because it comes from some blog post somewhere, but there's a, a, a rumor going around that reviews of the film have been embargoed, which is usually not a good thing. Like, for them to say, we don't want any print reviews put out, we don't want any online blogs reviewing the movie, like, no advanced hmm. screening reviews is never a good thing. But sometimes it's also because there's a lot of secrets that they want to keep about a movie, they don't want stuff to get out. Well, I feel like at this point, with so much bad publicity, so many people that are up in arms about it, they would want to, if it was a good movie and they, they felt like it was, had some legs to stand on... They would want it out there. They would want no secrets. They would want a lot of people to go out and see it. It's possible that this is all like some big bait and switch, though. It's a ruse. What if like they just put out like bad parts in the trailer, but the actual movie is going to be great? It's possible, but there's been so much backlash. You would think that like by the time they're putting out the third trailer. Mm they would have stuff that would want to draw people in. But instead, all I've seen is cheesy effects, terrible jokes. Right, I mean, we're, what, a week away from the the debut? Uh, the yeah, well, I think it's Thursday, and it technically opens. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you would think they would have something out to be like, you really need to go see this. And how does it come about, too, by the way, that movies are supposed to be released on, say, Friday... And then they started doing these, like, you can go see the movie at midnight on Thursday into Friday. And then it became, well, okay, we're going to do it at 10 o'clock. But now you can go see it on, like, 7 o'clock on the Thursday. Like, well, then it doesn't really open on Friday. It opens then on Thursday. Right. I don't know. So that's just that's just another thing that annoys me. And, by the way, 508-996-0500-877 if you want to get involved in the discussion. One thing that I have to say is, as bad as the movie looks like it's going to be on the surface to me, and as much debate has that caused, has caused, I've, I've heard nothing but universal disdain, universal hatred, universal <laughs> disgust for the new song. On YouTube, and you know what? YouTube is doing people a favor if they flag this video. No, this isn't stuck. It's not buffering. It really just does this for like 30 seconds. Have you heard this yet, Seth? No. Good thing you didn't get into the chip because you thought you'd throw up there. That song sucks. Oh my god. So. Do you want me to leave it until the Missy Elliott rap comes? It's like the only time Missy Elliott ruins the song even more. 
Really? Oh, my God. Maybe Missy Elliott will save the song. She's usually like pretty Missy good. Elliott. You do, you don't. Her I do. Good. Yeah, I do. It's yeah, I though. I like Fall Out Boy, too. And with that, the friendship ended. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> but even follow you can't get rid of me even if you tried. You even know that, follow right? boy fans are lining up against this song. You know what? I'm not like that big of a fan where I really care. I don't. I've never heard enough of their stuff to be able to judge this compared to their other stuff. Yeah. But I judge this compared to like. Yeah, like I like the, the few songs that they came out with. There it is. Look not no. the Missy Elliott part, but the... No, I was going to say Missy Elliott, no. No, are you sure? I don't think so. I thought it was... Well, yeah, yeah. They, like, they, okay. they're referencing... Yeah, they're saying the original lyrics, yes. Right. I, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't follow your question correctly. It was a pretty straightforward question, and I just still <laughs> was... My mind was so scrambled from having to hear that. Right. Uh, now, I don't... But the thing is, it, it sounds like just like an overproduced... End end of movie like credits th- song. Right, it doesn't. It, it's, yeah. it's not the hook. No, it's that not. you need to get people to come to this movie. No, it's like the the thing where but you're. Does it you're work like, in this generation? Because we're we're comparing to something that was in a completely different lifetime. No, I'm not even comparing it to the original song because the original song. Let's be honest, the original song is really cheesy. Right. <laughs> it is, but we still love it. But it's just really cheesy. Right. And if that came across as really cheesy, even then I'd be like, okay. It's just, they shouldn't have referenced the original song. Okay. And just gone with something original. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with I'm Ghostbusters 2. No. But, you know, when Ghostbusters 2 came out, they decided that they needed a new song. So, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They called the Ghostbusters and they went in a completely different direction. They're probably trying to get something similar to the original with this. I think that they're trying to reach out to a different generation. I feel like you're just... I'm I'm kind of in the Bobby Brown zone right now. Let me know when you're done. Well, you already did the rap part at the beginning, so... Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. How can you not dance with Bobby Brown's song? <laughs> Something almost flew out of my mouth and I caught myself in the last minute. You don't, you don't like Bobby Brown? Um, Bobby I don't know. <laughs> wow. Want to hear funny Bobby Brown? You're killing story? all that YouTube money. Oh, oh look, and look who's in the video. Who's that in the video? Uh, Donald Trump. Oh, see, it all connects. Funny story. I was at a, a house party. I thought you were going to say he wrote the song Humping Around About You. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Um, you were, like, not even born, I don't think, when that came out. I was at a house party once. And a I, house party? Yep. No, oh, that's, that's kid and play. You're getting confused. What are you two talking about? 
House party was kid and play. Okay, Bobby no. Brown was listen, every little listen, step I take. I went to a house party. I walked in and everybody was freaking out and saying Bobby Brown was there. I turned around. Lo and behold. Free drugs. It was the weirdest Get experience out. of my life. Free drugs. About when, uh, when about was this? Oh, my God. Um, more than 10 years ago. Oh, so he was probably really messed up at that time. If you're showing up to a local house party, I have to say yes, probably. Hey. But it was... It you was never weird. know. Rob Gronkowski shows up at people's birthday parties if they pay him enough. So, mm. you know, you never can be too sure. It was really random. Really Bill strange. Murray shows up at random parties, apparently. No one will ever believe you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what he does. He shows up places, and when he does like these funny. weird things, and then says, no one will ever believe you, and then walks away. But now we have cell phones. It doesn't matter. No? It's, it happens so fast that, like, he like. there's a story about there's a, a restaurant in New York uh, where they make, I don't know, like, subs. It's like a sub mm-hmm. shop or something. And he walks in, goes into the back. Throws on a pair of gloves. Yep. Makes himself a sandwich. Grabs a soda out of the machine. Puts a $20 bill or a $50 bill, whatever, on the counter. Turns to everybody in the restaurant and says, no one will ever believe you and walks away. It happens so fast. Nobody can get any video. From- There's That's like weird. whole websites dedicated really? to the store. He like shows up at people's weddings. <laughs> <laughs> like... He'll just be somewhere and they'll say there's a wedding. Like if he's at a golf course, yep. um, you know, he plays a lot of golf. He'll just walk into the wedding, you know, toast the bride and groom and leave. Well, somebody's people, got to catch that on, on film. A lot of people don't know this, but he has, his car gets painted at the New Bedford Mako. Really? Yeah. Did you hear this story a couple of years ago? No, no. He was on David Letterman and he was talking about how he has this, he's had this Jeep Grand Wagoneer since like 1987. Mm-hmm. And he keeps it at his house in Martha's Vineyard. And so... Martha's Vineyard, instead of going to the Cape, because of whatever side he lives on on Martha's Vineyard, yep. it's easier for him to, to go to New Bedford. Mm-hmm. So he has the car ferried over here to have it painted every couple of years, and then he has it ferried back to Martha's Vineyard. He doesn't do it, but somebody does it for him. Right. But he'll make the phone call mm-hmm. to set it up to be done. So he was on David Letterman, and he was talking about you know this, this car that he has, and he said, you know, shout out to the New Bedford Mako. And... I heard it, and I was like, what? So I was here on a Saturday morning, and I was thinking about it all through the course of the show. And then afterwards, I was like, you know what? I want to just call over there. And I called them, and I talked to them about it, and I wrote like a whole blog post about it. But they said, oh, yeah, he's been getting his car painted here every couple of years for a long time. And he calls, and he makes the appointment, and that's pretty much the extent that we deal with him. But (laughs) he's always really nice about it and really cool. So, yeah, so there's a connection between Bill Murray and the South Coast. Interesting. Yes. All right, I got to catch up on the the chat room. Here. Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to take this call. Okay. Good Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Good evening, guys. Hey, how's it going? I'm pretty good. I'm supposing you guys are spooked As always. I have to say, I don't think I'm going to touch this movie with a ten meter cattle prod. Really? You're not as a, like, throw, as a throwback to the first movie. You're not even going to. Uh, you're not even going to give it uh, at least a cable viewing. Probably not, based on the song you guys just played. <laughs> the song alone did it? Although, I hope that I don't get this song stuck in my head as bad as I did the Binky the Clown Happy Birthday song. <laughs> oh <laughs> he, did, he messaged me the other day and said, it's still stuck in my head. Yes. Oh, and I it's awful. To say happy, yeah, it's completely awful, but yeah, that was Garfield. So, hey, wasn't, I, as an ironic 
um, topic. What, wasn't Bobby Brown on like an episode of like celebrity ghost stories of like when ghost attacks or something like that? I Probably. wouldn't be surprised. If I there's, if there's a paycheck, why wouldn't he be? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I'm not excited about um, Ghostbusters at all. I'm just, yeah, I'm not going to see it. Period. Not said. Well, I I, th- I think that, uh, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know, because I'm kind of torn about it, because I feel like I have to see it, because I can't comment on it if I don't see it, you know what I mean? But then at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, i got to take $15 out of my own pocket. Do you not want to support it? Is that that's, what it that's, is? That's kind of what it is. That's why I wanted to set up a, a thing at the movie theater where mm. we could kind of host the movie, but I just I didn't follow up on that. I could understand that. But although, based on what you said about the proton packs blowing up things, I, I wonder if Moniz could verify whether or not a positron collider could actually blow up something. Oh, God. Now he's, well, yeah. Why do you think he's not here tonight? Oh, I have no idea. It did. I won't ask. Sounds sound like a bike. Could have been a bike. Or thunder? That was loud. Yeah, it does look kind of wet out there. Sorry. I'm just... playing on the cape. What did you say? Russ? Not much rain on the Cape. Oh, it's the, the ground's wet out here, and I know there was supposed to be some storms coming in. Yeah, there so. was a huge rumble just now. Oh, well, maybe it's coming my way. But um, on another on another note, can I have a shameless plug? Absolutely. I will be at Ocean State Paracon with my uh, crew, Shovel Town Investigations. Nice. I'm very uh, a little excited. You know, we're kind of a new to the. Uh, the Paracon circuit, so I think it will be a fun time. And it's at, have you been to Ocean State before? This will be my first time. Oh, it's it's going to be uh, fantastic. It's it's a great family atmosphere, as I was saying before. You know, you'll get a chance to network with a lot of other groups, and you know, this a lot of groups that are involved in this that come out and and get a table at these events. They're like, you know, we don't usually do these things, but we do this one because it's for a good cause. And they'll do like Paranormal for Pause because it's for a good cause. You know, so, so you'll, you'll get to meet a lot of people who are really in it just for, you know, doing the right thing instead of just being in it to, to get attention for themselves. Well, cool. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be doing, uh, Eastern Penn State, I think, penitentiary at the end of the month. That and sounds then, exciting. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, we're excited for that. And I believe maybe a couple of us will be at Coastal Bay anyway. So uh, we're a little excited for that as well. But, uh, yeah, we're looking, I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it this weekend. So it'll be a good time. So. Well, so, yeah. we will see you next weekend. At least I will. Yeah. I'll have to Zoom hey, you guys yeah. from Florida. The who? I said I'll have to Zoom you guys from Florida. We talked uh, about Zoom last week. You can't get those records anymore. What? Uh, Captain Zoom. No, not that. Zoom, Zoom video conference call. Okay i got to teach you all kinds of stuff. All right, Ross. We'll see you next weekend. Right. Have a good one, guys. You too. Bye. Bye. And, uh, and somebody just messaged me on Facebook saying that they uh, not only is that song awful, mm-hmm. but that they love how they can watch us on their TV because you can that. do that with YouTube. YouTube. Stre- I did that earlier. I was streaming YouTube on the, the YouTube app on PS3, and the show looks great mm. on the TV. So if you want to watch the show as you're listening, you can just go to YouTube and uh, you know hook it up to your TV. However you do that, some people do it right on the TV. Some mm-hmm. people have to you know connect their laptop to the TV or whatever. But you can watch the show. We have the the streaming YouTube video and and the chat room going on in there. Did, was there anything in the chat room that you needed to bring up? Well, there was a a few questions and uh, I didn't realize we had a phone call, so I was going to ask them 
right then. But um, there's lots of discussion, obviously, on the um, the song that we played and how people's ears are bleeding. Um, Scott Beeman asked, Tim, I know you love Poltergeist, as do I. What do you think of that remake? And then he said he wanted to open it up to the whole room. Well, I didn't hate the remake. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was a little different than the original, but I can understand why, like, remaking that was an iffy thing, because the whole success of that franchise was based around, like, I, I really believe that they were a family. You know, I, I I didn't look at it as, like, these are just a bunch of actors pretending to be a family. I, I felt they were a family, and I felt for them and what they were going through. And plus, I just thought the paranormal aspects of the first Poltergeist were really cool. I thought the backstory was really cool. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that they wouldn't follow up with a lot of that. But when I watched the remake, I really did like it. I don't know if I would be as invested in that as I was in the original, but at least I wasn't sorry that I spent an hour and a half of my life watching it. So that's my feelings on that. I know you haven't seen it, Stephanie, because you don't watch horror movies. Hell no. Matt, did you see the, the new Poltergeist? Uh, I did not, know. It, it's it's worth it. If you're looking, if you're in the mood for a horror movie, I would mm-hmm. give it a chance. There's some horror movies that I think have been pretty good in the last couple of years. I actually thought the first Conjuring was pretty good as a horror movie. I thought Conjuring Two was actually pretty good as a horror movie. I thought Babadook was pretty good. I thought it was good as well. Like, as with most horror movies, you know, the ending always seems to disappoint me. But generally, I I liked it. And I thought it was pretty creepy. Uh, so that is. Nothing in me wants to be scared. But it's okay to be scared when you're watching a horror movie. But I'm just not into it. I just, nothing in me wants the thrill of watching a scary movie, because then I have nightmares about it, and then I don't want to go to sleep. I like happy things. I'm just trying to figure out where I got, I've got this music coming in somewhere over my queue. I'm just trying to get rid of it. But the, uh, the... Yeah, the Poltergeist remake was was all right. I do get worried when I see, like, the new Exorcist TV show that's coming out. I don't know if you guys have seen anything about this. No, no. No. It's a series, a television series based on The Exorcist. And uh, Gina Davis plays the mom, so there's a South Coast connection there. You know, anybody that doesn't know, she's from Wareham. What up, Scott, in the chat room, Wareham? But uh, she... And and uh, she is somebody who, um, you know, has done horror movies before. But when you're putting something iconic like that out there, people are going to tear it apart. I didn't watch the Omen TV show, but I've heard mixed reviews about it. I didn't either. I started watching the, you know, the Bates Motel show. Mm-hmm. But that went in a direction that I didn't care for. You know, when I started watching season two and it's all about, like, this marijuana growing operation, I'm like, no. I just want to see Norman Bates go crazy and kill his mom and dress up like her. Like, that's the whole point of it. But, I don't know, they they apparently felt like they had to bring people into that, so. I'm just... Oh, no. I'm just going to play some more Ghostbusters music. (laughs) you got to admit, this is, like, one of the best songs in the whole movie. This one's like actually about the ghost. 
the bus boys were available to make a song for the new movie? I'm pretty sure they are. See, that's, that's a good, a good happy, upbeat song. This is like the entire soundtrack. Yeah, I found the whole thing. <laughs> you know this one. This is the song that plays at the end of the movie. When they're like getting ready to go like to the top of Dana's building and take on Gozer. I, I have this cassette. I have this cassette. There is lightning. That was, that was kind of perfect. I'm going to lean down for Wait, if we're going to have a thunderstorm while we're talking about the Ghostbusters soundtrack, then we gotta go. We got to go with this one. This is like when the really creepy stuff is happening in the movie. Dana and Lewis kind of the dogs. All that purple ghost stuff is building up over the city and the dark clouds roll in. Yeah. We can't even make YouTube clips of this because they're just going to get taken down. But maybe, maybe they'll allow it. Maybe they'll be like, you know what? Anything that can keep the original Ghostbusters going at this point in time. See? I don't know. I, I know that it's cheesy and 80s sounding. Yep. But it fit the movie. Yeah. Like, they were perfect mood music pieces for what was going on in the film. And I can't think of any point in the movie where that Fallout Boy song could play and not be a distraction. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I mean it's only they're gonna play at the end when people are walking out. Right, as you said, it sounds like an end credit song. You know, which if that's all that they wanted, fine. But the original Ghostbusters song like gave you something that could happen at any point in the movie. I mean, is there uh, is there more to the soundtrack? Did, have they released the soundtrack yet? I don't think so. I haven't seen anything yet. If you want to take a look and see if uh, if you can find it, I'm not seeing anything on my end. But I guess all the questions will be answered coming out in the next couple of days. The movie debuts here in America on the 16th or the 15th, but apparently it debuts internationally July 10th. So you know what that means, Matt Costa. What's that? Means we'll be able to watch pirated versions of it by the by the eleventh. <laughs> so, <laughs> hopefully by next week we'll have seen the movie. I guess so. If you uh, do that, if you do that kind of thing, thing, we we would never do that kind of thing. By the way, I just I got to give you compliments for that that. Um, how can I put this in a way that won't get us in legal trouble? That's <laughs> that student film you put on my computer. 
What? That now just sounds there? dirty. Right. <laughs> like, How is that any better? You guys sound like a bunch of creeps. Sounds the- like a, it sounds like a casting couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the quality of that was fantastic. That was it like was, one of was. the it was one of the best uh, student film <laughs> quality <laughs> I've good, ever seen. It was a good documentary. <laughs> it was. It was a very good documentary about a group of superheroes and the problems that befall them uh, when pulled in different directions. It's getting weirder right. and weirder. I did found, find other songs, but I don't know who these people are. Well, rattle them off. we got like two um, minutes. Five Seconds of Summer, do you know? That is like a new group that like tweens are listening to. Yeah, that there was, they there call was, punk, which is not even close. There was commercials with them. like, like uh, You know how they do like those big Disney. Pepsi summer concerts? Yep. Like, Five Seconds of Summer will be there! So like... And, uh, I was like, that's four and a half more seconds than I want to hear of them. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, think, I don't know like anything about them. like a Disney-ish... Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Earl Gillum. No. As no. E- and I guess he's performing this as E. Oh, G. Easy. Oh God. Oh well. Keep going. You know. Whoever that is. Zane Malik. That is. That's a one of the One Direction, uh, one Direction guys. guys. Yeah. Even I know that. But he's he's blown <laughs> up in the uh, in like the pop. Um, category so also terrible like r&b-ish pop kind of he's a popular but and, uh, not among us so this mo- so an l king whoever l king i don't is. know who that is oh l king like e-l-l-e yeah oh that's rob schneider's daughter yeah she's good she's got a song yeah you know that song uh it's only six and there's only six songs on the the uh soundtrack so okay. far i guess you, you know that you you know the l king song it's it's uh all over the radio. Nope. I, don't, I only listen to WBSM. No, they play around. They, <laughs> I was just going to say what I listen uh, to, I thought, but it's I, probably not recommended that I do that. They, no, they play around Fun 107, so you've, you've probably heard it. You've probably like, been Maybe. walking by and heard it. But, yeah. By the way, every Saturday night when I come in to do Spooky South Coast, no matter what time I come in, they're always playing Uptown Funk, <laughs> which is fine by me. I love that song. This, this is El King. It's the song that sounds like an old Navy commercial. <laughs> so there you go. I just I just wanted to play one more song to get us banned off YouTube with this video, but I didn't I didn't mention anything that they would flag us for. So we should be all right. All right. Well, that does it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday night. Until then, stay spectacular.